You're listening to Radio Influence. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights. And a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy. Joined this week by my co-host, as always, Justin Watson. We got Jeff Hobbs in the house, too. We are going to be recapping the two UFC shows uh, for uh, this week thus far. Uh, we had two Fight Island shows, and then we got a, a preview of the big UFC 257 card this weekend, pay-per-view. Uh, that's going to be a real good one. And then, of course, uh, also uh, our interview for this week, we're going to be talking to the challenger for the Valor 125 pound amateur title. Uh, he's going to be challenging the champion, Kyle Lindner, coming up here at Valor 78. And that one goes down here in just a couple weeks, uh, February the 5th, from the world famous Cotton Eye Joe. We're going to be talking to Shamar Hawaii Perez today. So excited for that. Uh, Justin, uh, two UFC cards already this week. And uh, we're off and rolling on a, a three fight uh, card week here at Fight Island. It's kind of like our. Uh, it's kind of like our uh, international fight week of sorts. Yeah, man. It's uh, we had a few weeks off there through the holidays and um, got kicked back off Saturday, and then another fight. I woke my happy ass up at nine o'clock this morning to watch this one. Yeah, you know, I was uh, I got to watch uh, you know several of the of the first fights there, but then uh, work called and I had to get out and beat the streets, so I didn't get to see the main card fights live. I had to go back and, and catch highlights there. Uh, Jeff Hobbs, uh, you're kind of in the same boat. Uh, you didn't get to catch a whole lot of today's. We record this on Wednesday, for the record. Uh, today's earlier uh, card, uh, but got to check out the uh, the return show anyway. Saturday that was a uh, a rough one for me. Uh, that was one that I went into with a, with a lot of confidence and came out of uh, feeling kind of numb. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, you know, I'm one of them nine to five guys, so you know, I didn't get a chance to uh, check anything out. And honestly, I forget about these. Uh, this past Saturday, I forgot about the time change and the early start. Uh, just happened to see a, a, a notification come across. I was like, holy shit, you know, what? I, I even had people coming over that evening who also did not know who had made plans to come over in the evening and watch the fights. And uh, I had to you know, text and say, do you realize they're starting in 30 minutes? Uh, <laughs> uh, and so uh, same thing today. I forgot until um, I got the notification, like the result of the first bout. I was like, all right. Yeah, holy shit. But, uh, man, I, I'm just going to tell you, there, we talked about it last week when we previewed today's card. There wasn't much on there that really piqued my interest, of course. You know, I watch fights just to watch fights, but uh, I wasn't hurt or sad uh, that I missed it and I wasn't trying to scrounge to, to get a quick glimpse of it. Uh, I just looked for those results. But, um, man, that card last Saturday, uh, like you said, killed me on my bets. Um, just one right after the other. Uh, every bet that I thought, okay, I lost that last one, but I can still make it up with this one. And I, and I, and then the next one would be, I mean, it would just thrash me all the way through to where it almost became comical texting you and just going, and there's another one. There's another one. So. 
dogs were barking and the dogs are barking a little bit today we'll knock out this one today real quick here uh just uh super brief uh main event mike kiesa gets a uh, pretty unanimous a pretty dominant unanimous decision win over neil magny in a fight that uh magny was the favorite uh and kiesa managed to pretty much grind him like magny grinds others uh good win for kiesa calls out colby covington afterward don't think he'll get that uh, Worley Alves with the upset win over Manir Laziz. That's what sunk me today. I had Laziz everywhere, and uh, that more or less, I, it was the one thing that I just died on, essentially. Uh, had him keyed everywhere and, and would hit every other leg except for this. Uh, Ike Villanueva with a second-round knockout over Vinicius Moreira. That's surely the end of his UFC career. He's looked terrible. Uh, Viviani Arizal, a unanimous decision win over Roxy Montefiore. Matt Schnell with the upset uh, split decision win over Tyson Nam. I dropped that one, too, actually. I was on Tyson Nam. And if you would have told me that these guys were going to stand up for three rounds, that I definitely would have probably bet more money on Tyson Nam and lost. Uh, Lerone Murphy with a, uh, a pretty good unanimous decision win over Douglas uh, De Silva Andrade, uh, Omari Akhmadov over Tom Breeze with a uh, an arm triangle choke in the second round. That's another upset. Ricky Simone dominant win over Gaetano Perello is a big favorite. Sue Mirderji, a unanimous decision win over Zaruk Adeshev, Dalcha Lamgimbula over Marcus Perez by decision. The, the brother of Davison Figueredo, Francisco Figueredo, gets a, a bit of a snoozer win, a decision over Jerome Rivera. Mike Davis had a very entertaining win over the uh, the Welsh the Welshman, uh, Mason Jones, by decision. Another Nurmagomedov enters the UFC, 13-0 now, Umar Nurmagomedov, with a uh, submission over Sergey Murazov. And then we've got new blood in the flyweight division, Manon Fioro, the uh, Frenchwoman, Dominant win over Victoria Leonardo, and she may give some girls some good fights. Justin, you've got more uh, uh, knowledge of this card than the rest of us. What stood out? I know there's a lot of stuff that's just kind of whatever. Yeah, um, Ricky Simone was was one of the bigger ones uh, for me on the undercard that really stood out. I actually woke up and caught uh, the first two fights, the, the girls' fight, um, Man and Faroe was was dominant. It was you know stand up for for the two rounds that it lasted, and then she got the finish. Uh, she looked great in her in her debut. Um, Nurmagomedov was you know a lot like Khabib, just yeah, ready Khabib in the corner. Heavy. Yeah, uh, they say that he's more of a striker, um, but he does have the wrestling in his back pocket, and um, that's what he used and got the submission there. Um, let's see here. Uh, on the main card, the the main event was kind of the opposite of what I what I had envisioned happening. Um, like you said, Kiesa kind of did what Magny does to most people. Um, he pressed him against the cage. He was able to get multiple takedowns. Anytime that Magny got on top, Kiesa was able to scramble back to the top fairly quickly. He got you know mount multiple times. He got his back a time or two. Um, and really pretty dominant performance there. I gave Magny one round. I think the judges all gave him. Um, it was either the second or third round. Um, Laziz was just a big flop Flop on that one. You know, Burley Alves has shown some promise in the past, but, you know, could never really string together the right combination of wins. And this was a stand-up fight. He landed a couple body kicks, man, and Laziz pretty much just had enough and, and folded over. Um, big knockout for Villanueva. The best fight on the card we talked about last week was Schnell and Nam. Um, like you said, it was a stand-up fight, and Matt Schnell's stand-up has come a long ways. It was 
he was piecing Nam up, man, the whole fight. Three rounds, um, just pretty, pretty dominant. I thought it was uh, cleared three to nothing. Um, you know, Tyson Nam was still throwing, but Chanel was just way too fast. You know, four and five punch combos and, and getting out of the way. Uh, he looked really good. All right, moving on to uh, the card uh, that began our fight week. Much, uh, much better card, I thought. Really, really, really entertaining one. And that was uh, the UFC uh, Fight Island 7, headlined by Max Holloway and Calvin Cater. Fight we were all really looking forward to. And, uh, man, I tell you what, I, I, I called it uh, completely opposite. You know, I, I was talking about how good uh, Cater's uh, striking was, how, how much output and activity and volume he was going to throw. And uh, I tell you what, Max Holloway did just that, <laughs> not Calvin Cater. Uh, the volume that Holloway threw was um, of uh, kind of a once-in-a-lifetime kind of demonstration. It seemed like he fought with a chip on his shoulder here coming off the two losses of Volkanovski. Uh, curious if he will, in my opinion, he's earned another title fight immediately. However, we already know Volkanovski is uh, going to defend uh, against Brian Ortega in March. So if he were to wait on that, he'd be on the shelf till summertime. I'd like to see him get another one in between now and then, uh, maybe against like Zabit or something like that. Yeah, I don't know if he would want to just wait on the title fight potentially as well, but a win against Zabit would certainly uh, make it a no-brainer that we got to run it back a third time. Uh, Hobbs, your thoughts on this main event here? I, I um, At the last minute, I got on Holloway just to like salvage like – a little bit of my losses, but for the record, um, all throughout the week, I was I was calling Cater. I, I mean, you know my thoughts, man, because I was texting you. The, I mean, the whole time, it, it I can't even. I, I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, as a, as a fan, it was all like one of those life changing fights. Like <laughs> I I watched it, and immediately when it was over, I told you I'm watching it again. Like I, I went back and replayed the recording again and I watched it again just because I, I wanted to see it again. It, to me, it has got to be the single most impressive performance, you know, not not just like, oh, the, this was the best fight. But this was to me the single best individual performance in a UFC fight that I've ever seen. I mean, it was I mean, look at the scorecards that we had. I mean, that was ridiculous. I mean, there were. There were five ten eights. Yeah, all over the board. There were ten eights. Uh, what was the stat I sent you that one time when they uh, like six hundred and thirty strikes thrown when there was still two minutes left in the fifth round? That's so exactly. he he almost got seven hundred strikes in, and and they were just they weren't just pitter patter touching you strikes. I mean, the volume was unbelievable. Everything was just digging. Digging with ill intent, um, I, man, it was just is is unbelievable. It was unbelievable. He was in another stratosphere, man. I, I I don't know what else to say. I'll watch it again. I tried to go back to work, you know, this week, and and tell one of my coworkers about it. And I was like, I'm I'm just gonna stop. I can't <laughs> I can't put, I can't put into words what it was. You've just got to watch it. It was unbelievable, man. He deserves. Yes, absolutely. An immediate title shot again. It's, I don't know, man. He has found his Zen place or something. Uh, it was unbelievable. Justin, uh, your thoughts here uh, on the fight, and do you think that uh, he deserves the immediate rematch, and uh, or you know, or is it something where uh, maybe he needs one more in between just to kind of you know seal the deal? Uh, yeah, I don't think Max needs to do anything else. Um, I think that 
it would suck to be sitting at home and be uh, Brian Ortega when this fight was happening because, you know, it's very likely that, you know, any little thing happens and the, and the fight with Ortega gets pushed back, it's likely that Ortega gets pulled out and Max takes that spot, I feel like. Um, he's definitely the best in the world outside of the champion. In the last fight, it was a razor close decision that most of us think Max won. Um, he he did throw over 700 strikes. He landed like 580 or something. I mean, it, it was a masterpiece. The, the way he was at the end of the fight, he's screaming at the commentator saying that he's the best boxer in the UFC. Because that was punches. the story on Cater. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's just kind of, I don't know, it used to kind of be the story on Max, but coming in, the it was the power of Cater, I think, was the big thing. And Cater is really successful when you can when he can plant his feet and really throw big shots. But Max kept him moving the whole time, and he couldn't really get as many of those off. But he did land quite a few, and Max just ate him, you know. I was getting scared towards the end of the fight that, you know, Max is starting to show out, like, looking away. If he gets caught, you know, Cater still has that power, but um, Max is just 24 fights now, never been knocked down. Um, the kid's a beast, man, and, you know, there was people writing him off after the first loss to um, to Volkanovski. There was people writing him off before that when he was missing weight um, and wasn't able to fight Khabib that, that time a few years back. But, um, you know, he's 29 or 30 years old now, and he's still got several prime years ahead of him. Um, and, you know, the the accomplishments that he's going to end up with are, are going to be massive. Um, would you say that his corner maybe should have made, should have had a little uh, the thoughts potentially of throwing in the towel going into that fifth round? The fourth round was pretty, pretty dominant. Like he was really eating some shots. He was down, you know, 10, eight everywhere. Or do you think Cater was still dangerous enough to warrant going back out there for the fifth round, uh, knowing all the, the damage he, he absorbed? Uh, I think that he was uh, – so I've heard the argument about some people think that, that they should have thrown in the towel, that he shouldn't have come back out there. But I think that Cater is always dangerous. Um, and, you know, the kid's 33 years old. He's been a professional for 10, 11 years, um, and he's reaching the, the peak, you know. And it'd be really, really hard to pull a guy like that. You know, Max is not – He's he's killing you with volume, but he's not landing anything that's super devastating, which is you know a lot worse long term. Um, but you know that's it, it keeps guys like that can can stick around, but they just take so much damage. Um, I wouldn't have thrown in the towel. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. I'm glad that, that didn't happen. Uh, but I understand. You know the if it was a, if he was younger, if he was like you know a 21 year old prospect coming up. Uh, then I think he had more of a case to, you know, to prolong his career and, and stuff. But at, at Calvin Cater's age, it's now or never. Um, I think you need to give him every opportunity that he can get. I think that uh, it showed, you know, not that Cater even really had a bad performance. It just shows like that massive jump in talent uh, between the contenders and like the true top of the division. Uh, it's uh, it takes a lot to get up there with those guys. Co-main event, uh, a couple of vets going at it. Some OGs. It was uh, Carlos Condit winning a decision over Matt Brown. Um, I was on Condit, so that one was one somewhat 
decent light on my uh, my evening, but not not enough. Uh, Condit looked good, I, even on the ground. Uh, he was able to to stay active to where Brown just really couldn't do much with his positions, and he was obviously better on the feet as well. Uh, Jeff Hobbs. Yeah, um, I mean the fight. <clears throat> excuse me, the fight played out. You know, pretty much as I thought. You know, two guys uh, with a, with uh, the history that they have, but you know, the realization of where they're both at right now. Um, I had Condit as well going into this one in, in my picks. Um, you know, this was one of those still at the end. Even though I definitely uh, think Condit won, you still listen to the scorecards and you're like, eh, it's a little wonky. Uh, and, and and Brown has, you know, made it known. You can tell the expression on his face um, <clears throat> that he didn't agree with the scorecards. And I, I read later it wasn't necessarily that he didn't agree with losing the fight or, or not getting the judges nod, but the 30-27s um, were kind of, uh, in my opinion, a little wonky. Um, but regardless, you know, to me, the, the right person won. Um, and, you know, Matt's, uh, Matt Brown's probably going to be seriously thinking about what, you know, what is there left to do at this point? You know, uh, and Brown's like, you know, put on so many good fights for them. You know, I would think that they won't cut him um, until he's ready to be done. Like, you know, I could have we already had Matt Brown and Diego Sanchez, something like that. Yeah, Uh, that that would make more the most, you know, Justin, we are. Have they already done that? They did. Matt Brown knocked him out with an elbow to the side of the head. Well, shit. Uh, anything, uh, your thoughts on this co-main event, uh, Justin, Carlos Condit, uh, you know, I still think they got to be careful with the way they match him, but I, but he's extended his shelf life. That's two in a row. Yeah. I think it showed that both guys are still there. I mean, I think Brown won the first round handily. I don't see how you could really, the only damage or the only thing that happened was during the takedown, um, Brown like scratched his head on the cage and got a nice little cut. But he was on top the entire time. Didn't do a ton of damage, but Condit didn't do anything, you know, to stop that. So he definitely won the first round. So to be a 30-27, all three judges was was super weird. Um, but you know, Condit, you do have to be careful with how you match him for a couple reasons. You know, it, it, Condit is still the same Carlos Condit that you know was fighting for titles four or five years ago. He's taken a couple losses, but he's grown and matured um the losses that he took were you know there were some some factors in there it's not like he took a ton of, of damage um, he's also but, it's like stylistically the worst matchups you can give it yeah yeah and you know putting him in there with with certain people you know he could match up with the right person on the right night and be world champion again i think um you know with a couple fights but um and Matt Brown, you know, I think there's still a few more good fights for him. Um, but I like I like fights like this for both guys. You know, I don't think that Carlos needs to make a run, you know, with any young contenders. But um, these kind of just old guard legend type fights, I like for both these guys. But it's nice for Carlos to get two in a row, you know, at one time. It's crazy to think about. I saw a stat that Carlos, this made Carlos uh, 500 in the UFC, 8-8. Eight and eight. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Just challenged for a world title, you know, uh, four or five yeah. years back. So, yeah. uh, feature bout. This is one that hurt me real bad too. And the thing is, I kind of even going into it, I was scared to fucking death. And I, I said it 
on you know both my our radio show and the podcast like Jing Ling the, has got knockout power he's been active he's been fighting tough guys and he's a three to one underdog to the returning Santiago Pontanibio who was you know on top of the world before his injury out for two years we didn't know how he was going to come back man Jing Ling put it on him knockout first round uh very disappointing uh, return for Ponzinibbio and maybe uh, a, a potential uh, a move into the rankings or or maybe at least uh, a fight against the ranked guy for uh, the leech out of China, Justin. Yeah, this was crazy, man. <clears throat> um, this one and the Joaquin Buckley fight, I, I do a verdict MMA. I don't know. You've probably heard of it, but um, so you can go on and score each round live basically. But also, they before the fight, you predict, uh, you put in your predictions, you know, and it kind of ranks you globally uh, based on that as well. And I went and changed. I had Li Jingliang and I had Dekirio and went and changed those literally right before the Dekirio fight um, and took Buckley and, and Ponzinibbio and then was was shooting myself in the in the foot for doing that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, Li Jingliang, like you say, you know, he does have that knockout power. He, you know, he was... He's coming off of a loss to Neil Magny, I think, in a performance that was definitely not his best, and I think he wanted to come and prove that that wasn't him. Um, Ponzinibbio's, you know, still going to be a, a, an issue, but to think that ring rust is not a real thing is kind of crazy. You know, for some guys it's not, but for some guys it is. Everybody's different, and I think for Ponzinibbio, that seemed to be play a big factor in this. Is You know, it's been a, a while out, and he's had a lot of difficulties getting to this point. Um, and I think the pressure might have just gotten to him a little bit there. And, but at the end of the day, I mean, he got caught with a, a solid shot that is going to put you to sleep. The aforementioned Italian, Alessio DiCirico, with a head kick knockout upset win. He's about a 300 underdog his, his damn self to uh, the surging Joaquin Buckley. And another one where it's like <laughs> I was on Buckley really heavy and – you know, in hindsight, again, it's like there's a lot of hype train on this guy because of that big knockout over Impa a few shows back. But let's not forget that, you know, he's still pretty green out in, in the grand scheme of things. You know, he certainly uh, was overpriced at that. Uh, I feel like going into this matchup and uh, and uh, I, I took the bait. Uh, Puna Haley Soriano moves to 8-0. He stays undefeated over the uh, previously undefeated Dusko Todorovic. Oh, that one was uh, another uh, upset, man. The dogs were barking here. Uh, Justin, your thoughts on these? Yeah, this was crazy. That fight um, with with DiCario, like you say, you know, Joaquin Buckley had a lot of hype off of that knockout, and then now he's he's a highlight reel. Um, DiCario was coming off of three straight losses, but you know the kid's talented. Um, he just had a had a couple of uh, rough patches, I guess, you know, and. Um, I, I knew early on that this wasn't going to be a walk in the park for Buckley, but uh, for whatever reason, at the very last minute, I thought, man, you know, there's a reason that DeKirko's plus 300 or whatever, you know, it's like, so I just changed my mind on it and uh, it bit me. But um, Soriano, man, I, you know, I was on him from the beginning. Todorovic was coming in 10 and 0. Soriano's 8 and 0. Um, Todorovic was, you know, probably the. Um, I know he was the favorite. I can't remember how how big it was, but he was the prospect. I think coming in and um, the Hawaiian, you know, had not had none of that and uh, put him to sleep uh, right before the end of the first round. 
prelims, Jocelyn Edwards uh, with a decision win, another small upset. That was near Pickham, but she was the, the underdog over uh, Wu Yunnan. Uh, Carlos Felipe with a split decision win over Justin Taffa. I was on the right side of that one at least, but uh, Carlos uh, Felipe and Taffa really put on a good show. They had uh, they, they really had like fight of the night level uh, entertainment there between two uh, you know le- lesser ranked heavyweights. Uh, Ramazan Amiv with a split decision win over David Zawada. Dominic grappling as always out of Amiv. Uh, Vanessa Mello takes unanimous decision upset win over Sarah Maras. And Maras just didn't look like she fought a very smart fight here, and she lost money for me as well. Uh, Austin Lingo kicks off the card with a unanimous decision win over Jacob Kilburn. We advised you to take the under last week. I did. I was I hammered it, and I lived to regret it. Uh, ooh, that's really my biggest loss of the weekend is I thought either way, Lingo and Kilburn, either one of them was going to finish the other one. They both landed some real big shots. Lingo really landed some big shots on Kilburn, and Kilburn just showed his toughness, man. He wasn't going to go away. He did look much improved, I thought, from his previous fights. Uh, showed he kind of looked like he belonged in there, but Lingo uh, fairly, still, you know, in my opinion, fairly wide decision win. He started to slow down towards the end. Uh, Kilburn probably has another fight in the UFC left in, my, in him, I think, after his performance, and uh, I apologize to everyone that followed me on that under. I sat there and watched the time tick, just uh, my heart sinking. Uh, Hobbs. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I was right there with you. I, I jumped on that under. Um, and if it was not for the fact that this card started early, I, I texted you immediately. I was pissed. I was at Lowe's when I, when you said something about, here we go. And I was like, here we go. What? And then I realized and I was logging in, trying to get my last minute bet in. And I was so pissed because I was fixing to hammer this thing and, and bet the max, uh, the, the max allowable. <clears throat> on that bet and um i just uh i got screwed and i was pissed and then i started checking in i was like oh shit oh shit and i knew you had t- taken it and so i was i didn't want to say anything because now i felt horrible for you because i was going to take it with you and now i didn't and here you are uh, gonna lose it while i saved the money um <laughs> but you know the thing is man the fight I previewed this one, you know, uh, last week and everything that I thought was going to happen did happen, Mm -hmm. except he didn't go down. I mean, that was just a hit. It's like everything he took a bit. I mean, Kilburn took a beating, man. He he stood with them. Uh, He tried to trade with them and he just he took another beating. Granted, like you said, he did look better, you know, this go around and he and he got a few good shots of his own. Yeah. But there's, he's just, I don't know. He just stands there for you, uh, comes forward for you, and it's just, I don't know, he's a punching bag. And, and there were a couple times in the first round I was like, this is over. This is good. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I'm screwed. I didn't bet on it, but, you know, Tim's going to win, and exactly what I thought happened was going to happen. And uh, everything did except fall into the canvas and, uh, and, and, and in, you know, the fight in. Uh I agree. I mean, the kid's gonna—he's gonna get his contract, uh, uh, you know, played out. Uh, I don't—I don't see them cutting him early, but uh, he's got to make some changes here, uh, quick and in a hurry. Uh, do something different or get some more favorable uh, matchups um, if he wants to see life after that—that uh, that initial contract. 
Well, man, he's been calling for Nate the Train Land where I say they do it. It's a fight everybody's wanted to see for a long time. There'll be some heat there. Nate's not booked as far as I know. Or maybe he is, and I just don't know it. But uh, that would be the fight, man. I, I don't know if they would play into that rivalry or not, but uh, that would be something that uh, if we don't see it here, we're probably never going to see it. So No, and Nate, uh, I think Nate does have something coming up. I mean, he, he alluded to um, – in kind of the Nate the Train way, uh, you know, what are you guys doing in three in three weeks? Uh, in, insinuating that he's got plans or something like that the other day. So I, I think he's got something, uh, and it may it may actually have already been released. I think I did see it in the opponent. So he's got something. Oh, coming okay. up. But you know, you know as well as I do for for the UFC, they care absolutely zero yeah. uh, about any local, regional, or state you know competitions. And, and honestly. Uh, Nate's Nate doesn't need that fight. He's got he's kind of on the upside. He's right. he's, he's got things moving forward and, and good or bad, whether they're talking about his carefree performances in the you know, where he just lets it all and doesn't give a shit or his hairline. They're talking about him, you know, and nobody's talking about Jacob Kilburn. So, uh, you know, more Nate predictable has- matchmaking would tell you a guy that's on a couple losses himself but would be entertaining as hell, like a Spike Carlisle and uh, yeah. Kilburn. You know, he's lost a couple too, but he's he's always puts on a pretty fun fight. Yeah, it's all going to be about the ma- it's all going to be about the matchmaking. You know, where what, how do they value him at this point? You know, is right. he just uh, a gatekeeper at this point for the for the opening ESPN bout and or the next or the next signee that needs a a favorable matchup or you know. Do they really like this kid and uh, think he's got a future and just, you know, had some tough fights and and, and maybe try to uh, cater to him in his next matchup to showcase his, his true skill a little more? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they how they go with that. I mean, it's kind of, you know, the same deal that, uh, you know, Luke was in at that one point. You know, it's like he had lost a couple and. And then they throw him in there with a former champion, you know, Hinn and Brow. Yeah. So it's like I think that that matchup for him at that point in his career, uh, it was like, you know, okay, here's your one. Uh, we're either going to help Hinn and Brow out right now uh, with an up-and-comer that will look good for him to, to, to get a win against, or Luke Sanders is going to show us something and show us, you know, uh, that he wants to be here. And, you know, and, and Luke – Luke performed. He, he got the win. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what kind of matchup uh, they look for Jacob, Jacob Kilburn again. All right. That is our recap of Fight Night uh, on uh, Fight Island number seven. That'll wrap up our recap session. Let's move on to our interview session of the show and let's get the 125 uh, pound challenger on the line, Shamar Hawaii Perez. Mr. Perez, how are you this evening? I'm doing good. Good man, I I appreciate you taking a little bit of your time uh, to to talk to us. I know you're you're probably in the at the peak of your training uh, camp at this point. So uh, before we get to talking about this upcoming fight, this is the first time we've been on the show, so I always like to to have the you know our first time uh, guest give a little background info uh, for our listeners, so they can kind of get up to speed. Uh, just you know a little bit about you know about your background and your training and kind of you know how we've uh, come to this point uh, so far in your career. Well, so why I actually am called Hawaii is because I 
I went to school out there, uh, came to Colorado, and people called me Hawaii there. But I actually learned, like, a lot from, like, their, like, culture and stuff. So they all out there, they all fight kickboxing. They do the jujitsu. They all that. Muay Thai. So it actually started my, like, actual background in MMA. It got me very interested in, like, fighters like DJ Penn, like Diego Sanchez. And so when I moved to Colorado, that's actually when I started training. But I didn't start competing until I moved to Tennessee. And then that's where I met Mike Merriman and started training with SSF, which is now Wildside. Yeah, training there in Clarksville with Mike Merriman and the gang at Wildside. Uh, some some fighters our listeners may be familiar with: Nate the Train, Landweir, uh, Ed Massey. Uh, lots of good fighters. Lots of always always tough, hard nosed uh, you know uh, competitors coming out of that Wildside camp. Uh, you know, talk a little bit about the guys that have been helping you get ready for this fight. You know, you're getting ready to take on Kyle Linder, uh, and that's going to be just you know here in a couple weeks. He is the current champion. He's been running roughshod through everybody he's he's fought he doesn't have near the experience as you though you've got so many fights you've been around uh for so many years here and uh, really in my opinion you know ready to, to turn pro i would think at any point uh you know who's been helping you get ready for this fight uh and then after that we'll we'll dive a little bit into the actual fight all right so um i've been working a lot with uh coach christian and coach mike and then my teammates i've been working with uh jason danner you may have heard of him uh I've been working with Massey and also I've been working with Caleb Austin and also Nate Landry. And I mean, they've really just been pushing me. I've been grappling a whole lot because I know that Kyle has this, was like a wrestling background and everything. And I actually have been watching Kyle and I've seen like his, his fights and how he like ha- happens to dismantle them and like so quickly. And it's, you know, we, we've been getting prepared for all that. We're, we're ready for it, honestly. Jeff Hobbs on the line. You're familiar with uh, Shamar, uh, you know, of course, being from Middle Tennessee out there, familiar with that camp as well. You've been at ringside for the last two fights uh, Kyle Linder's had, including uh, winning the championship last time out. I mean, he's had less than a minute of uh, of cage time in his last two submission wins. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm very uh, familiar. Um, you know, I, I know uh, I, I know him as high. You know, it wasn't even Hawaii. Uh, you know, when when he's fought, uh, it shows that I've been a part of here. It was always high Perez. Um, but, yeah, very familiar with the guy. Um, you know, I was just at his last uh, competition out in Dixon. Um, I, I was out working that show when uh, he did a kickboxing fight out there. And, and hi, man, I know when I watch you, everything just, uh, you know, seems – to me, it's just it's, uh, your movement is so fluid. Uh, it looks like, obviously, uh, you work a lot in your stand-up, um, solid on the ground, but you just you seem so at home with uh, your striking. And, um, you know, it, w- give us some more background on that striking. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's something you can tell that has kind of come natural to you, your, your foot movement. Um, where all does that come from? You know, is there anybody that you kind of modeled that off of, or did it all just come naturally when you started training? I mean, honestly, it, it kind of came naturally, but I mean, I had the, the coaches point me in the right direction to get me to move a certain way, but it, it all came naturally. Like it started to flow over time. That's what I'm saying. A lot of it just seems more, it's something that you can't teach. It's more of just an athleticism uh, that, that your body just moves that way uh, without necessarily, I'm, I'm sure you were taught, you know, okay, you do, you know, technique, but you know, there's a lot of things about uh, your stand up to me that always just seems so natural. 
uh, in just a natural athleticism. I, you know, I coach football and I'm around athletes all the time. And that's kind of what you remind me of. Like you had to have had outside of MMA, some sort of athletic or sport background. Did you? Uh, yeah, I, I used to play basketball, football. I played baseball. I mean, I played pretty much everything. I've even been known to play soccer tournaments. Like I've done it all. Now, one of the things, you know, watching your fights and, and not to come at this from from a critical angle, but it's just what I see sometimes. Um, a lot of times I've seen you on the wrong end of decisions, you know, um, and, and when I watch you, to me, it feels like you're so uh, calculated with your offense that it seems to me like sometimes it's almost like what I say when people fight like they have all the time in the world. Uh, and may, do you feel like sometimes that you've gotten a call where you've just kind of you felt you were coasting in a fight and not thinking what the judges might be seeing? And you've left those decisions up to guys that maybe sometimes, honestly, I, look, I'm in this sport. Tim is. Justin is. Uh, we'll tell you, sometimes people that are judging your fights don't know what they're watching. It just happens, unfortunately. Um, do you think you've been caught in those situations where in your mind you feel like you've got to be ahead in this fight and you've left it up to them, but, it, but maybe because you didn't press the action. Yeah, actually. Yeah. I, I, I have felt like that. Even my, like my teammates, they'll get on to me. They're like, why did you sit there and play with them? Like you could have just finished the fight. And I'm just like, Oh, I, I don't know. Like I'm fighting, man. Like I wasn't really thinking about it too, too hard like that. Like we're fighting. Like I'm just trying to put on a show, trying to be a good fighter, you know? Right, right. And, and that's what I felt. Like I said, I was at your last Dixon fight where you did the kickboxing and you look great. Um, and I felt bad that, you know, and I, felt, I saw the astonishment on your face. Like, how did how did I lose that fight? You know, like what were y'all watching sometimes? And and it's not that you that I saw that that anything went wrong. It was just almost like you were so in control of yourself and the fight that you didn't press the action and you didn't you made it too easy for judges to, um, I don't know how to, how to say it. It's like you made it too easy for them to be confused about what they just watched. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Cause that was against Lex. I know exactly what fight you're talking about with Lex. I honestly thought I had that fight in the bag. So I kind of like coasted that third round. Cause I was getting kind of tired because we were right. throwing a lot of punches. So I was like, you know, maybe I got it in the bag. I kind of closed off a little bit and, like, kind of just get the decision win, but it didn't happen like that. So, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. Well, what are you going to do differently in this fight? This is a fight. Tell you what, hey, this is a fight, not to interject here, but this, you know, from what we've seen out of Linder so far, I don't think this is going to be the type of fight, you know, where there will be a lot of room for, uh, you know, uh, a whole lot of, I don't want to say technicality, but I feel like it's going to be one of those scramble fights where it's just going to be, the pace is going to be up there. And, uh, you know, I think he'll be going for takedowns. I think he's going to be wanting, I think, I think the takedown defense will tell the tale of this fight. You're, you're a tall, rangy, big uh, flyweight. You know, one of the one of the bigger athletic flyweights that I've seen. You know, he's not a huge guy, but is but he's very uh, aggressive. You know what I mean? He pushes the pace. And I'll, I'll throw it back to Jeff's question there. You know, what what what's your you know not without divulging too much. Uh, you know, going into this fight, you're, you're a bit of uh, your thought process. See, that's the thing is that. I actually haven't been, I haven't fought MMA since 2018. And my last fight was, I it actually was a, a finish. It was a kickboxing and I finished them in the second round, I think. So it's, 
I've actually gotten a lot more aggressive with my like my approach with fighting, and I've tapped into a mindset to where it's like it's kill or be killed. So I actually look for a lot more finishes now, even though all my my wins are finishes. So I'm I'm actually looking to finish this fight. There is no like oh like we're gonna wait for him and all that. No, I'm looking to actually take him out in the first second round fight. I I don't want to play with Kyle like. I, I won't take Kyle out. I want the belt. <laughs> yeah, man. I think that this is going to be most definitely his toughest test today. He, he just took out an, another tall rangey guy in Ray Hewitt, guy that's not as athletic or as experienced as yourself. You know, you fought in the uh, the UMAF tournaments. You know, you fought uh, at some high level, man. So it's not like you're going to be, uh, you know, starstruck by this uh, by this situation. I don't think. Neither, neither will he. I'll say to his credit, he's a guy that we've bragged on for taking this thing real seriously. I mean, he's from Connecticut originally. Uh, fighting out of Glover uh, to share his gym up there, I believe. And he has come down here for his last two fights and stayed here for like a month at a time and training with Shield Systems over there. Another really good uh, uh, camp out in Knoxville, a top-notch camp. So I'm really excited to see this uh, Shield Systems versus Wildside matchup here because uh, both of you guys kind of bring your own little swagger. You know, you don't really, you could, you know, you, you can tell you're very confident and uh, you don't see Linder so much on social media, but when you're around him, you'll definitely realize he's a very confident uh, you know, kid. Well, if there's yeah, one thing, Tim, that, that I know, you know, from is, is this gym, Wildside Gym, that we know from history, you know, they have, this is what they do. They go into other people's hometowns and they're, they're very confident and, and they ruin people's, you know, homecomings. They, they ruin, uh, they ruin people's nights. We, I mean, Think about Landwehr coming in to fight Townsend mm-hmm. in, in in East Tennessee. I mean, this is what yeah. Wildside does, man. Uh, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's a pretty belt. You're going to want to bring that thing back to <laughs> Tennessee because it's a pretty belt, man. Um, are, are you going to keep that tradition open? Is that, is that the plan? You're going to keep that tradition of going oh, into somebody else's hometown and, and being loud and being cocky and showing them what wild side MMA is and bring them back and, and taking their strap away. Is that the plan? Uh, most definitely. You know, we're going to come out there. We're going to get loud. We're going to get rowdy. Yeah, that's most definitely the plan. Who are you taking with you? Who's your corners, man? Uh, it's probably going to be uh, Christian and Mike. Tim, think about it. I mean, Mike Merriman, which one, which one is the most, uh, Eric Turner or Mike Merriman is is the most influential <laughs> when it comes to judges. Yeah, man, they're to- they're smart. They're they're very yes. you know, and it's it's a it's their vets. You know, they know it it's a talent. Honestly, that they, they know are, the right things uh, to say and when to say it and the in the tone to say it in. As they are cut from the same cloth when it comes to the type of corners they are with <laughs> planting in the judges' heads what they want them to see. It's a beautiful art to watch. Uh, Mike is one of the best at it too. So, uh, so Hawaii, man, in, uh, in parting here, you know, I know you're confident coming into this fight. What's your, uh, what's your kind of short-term and long-term goals for this before we let you go, uh, for this whole MMA thing? I, I, I'm sure that, you know, you've put enough time in at this point to where you, you have interest in going pro. Uh, yeah, man, I'm actually ready to go pro here soon. Uh, I say, I, I told my coaches, uh, give me four more fights. Let me go on this four fight win streak and we'll go pro and long-term wise, uh, you know, Everybody wants to make it to the UFC. So, I mean, I I want to make it to the UFC. I want to make it to a big promotion if I don't make it to the UFC. So, there it is right there. 
Awesome, man. Before we let you go, I want to let you give some shout outs where they're due. Any love you want to uh, throw out to sponsors, friends, family, training partners. Uh, I'll let you have it. Uh, shout out to my team, of course. Uh, Coach Mike, Coach Christian, uh, Nate, Massey, Jordan, uh, Caleb, Danny, and uh, that's it right there. All right, man. And what, uh, before we let you go, also, let our uh, listeners know where they can find you on your social media so they can keep up with you. Uh, you know, I don't really get on Instagram anymore. Uh, I mean, but you could follow me on Instagram at Daddy Warbucks. That's hilarious, I know. And uh, then uh, Facebook is just Hyperes, and then I don't have anything else. Well, you need to you need to up your game there, man. It's that's the thing. Yeah, that's the that's that's a key, especially as you uh, as you start uh, going towards uh, the pro level. So a uh, little little word to the wise. Let's let's step that uh, social media up so you get those followers up and uh, and keep people informed on what's going on. Hey, man, I appreciate the time. As always, uh, a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, best of luck coming up here in a couple short weeks as you uh, go for that 125 strap. All right. Thank you, man. Uh, it was great talking to you guys, too. Uh, love being on here. Uh, so, you know, I will see you guys whenever I take that belt. All right. Once again, this has been Hawaii Perez. Is he getting ready to take on Kyle Linder challenging for the flyweight championship at Valor 78? Goes on February the 5th from the world famous Cotton Eye Joe. If you can't be there live, you can catch the pay-per-view stream at VFCMMA.com. Or if you want to come check it out, that's the best way to be there in person. Social distancing will be in effect, but you can get your tickets at fightertickswithanx.com. Make sure you select uh, Mr. Perez's name from the drop-down menu so he uh, gets some uh, credit there. Uh, one more time, thanks a lot, man. We'll talk to you very soon. All right, man. Y'all have a great day. All right, again, that was Shamar Hawaii Perez ahead of his title fight coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts on this one? That's a t- that's a, a tough fight for both guys, I think. You know, it's definitely a step up for Linder uh, in the, the the grappling that Linder has shown, uh, you know, is has been uh, hard to, to believe that, uh, you know, uh, you could see him in a bad spot. So uh, it's a it's a very interesting fight. It's going to be a frantic fight. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I, I, you know, I made the comments about high stand-up day game, how, you know, it's just kind of a slow calculated, but when he, ha- but when I do see him in MMA fights, it's completely different. I mean, it's just, it's high pace. Like you said, a lot of scrambles, a lot of transitions, uh, just kind of a frantic pace on the ground, uh, you know, switching positions uh, with his opponents. And, and I expect that's what it's going to be. You know, someone is going to get a takedown, but it's going to be a, a takedown that rolls right into a reversal and rolls right into a, a standup. I mean, it's going to be that kind of pace, uh, nonstop. And, uh, man, it's exciting, man. And I keep forgetting that, you know, Linder is not from East Tennessee because at this point now it feels like it's a home right. game for him. It's a hometown. Yeah. Uh, and I keep, you know, when we were sitting there talking, I had to remind myself, it's like, wait a second, this guy's not from here, you know, <laughs> but it feels like he is now. He's kind of ingrained himself in the Knoxville scene. Looking forward to that. And uh, for our final segment, y'all, let's get into this uh, UFC 257 card coming up this weekend on pay-per-view. Before we get into it, Dana has said he's got, uh, he's got a surprise, a special surprise for the people that are illegally pirating this uh, pay-per-view card, which has risen in price now, I believe, to 70, is it 79, 99 or 70? It's up like five bucks, I think. Uh, you, before we get into the, this card, uh, Justin, uh, what what may Uncle Dana have in store? Man, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, I think as far as the little guy goes, you know, just um, – <laughs> <laughs> the consumer goes, I don't think it's it's going to be much of a problem, but I was uh, looking uh, 
last on Saturday night, um, and the streaming site that I usually use was down Saturday. So um, that's the people they'll be going after. Obviously, is, uh, is the suppliers, but uh, I don't know. It looked to me like uh, they had already done what they were going to do because, like I said, my, the site I use, I've got a few of them, and they were all shut down Saturday. Let's jump into this one, guys. Main event, Dustin Poirier taking on the notorious one, Conor McGregor, lightweight bout. Uh, there's been some talk that if uh, Khabib is uh, impressed, I guess, with anybody showing from this main event or co-main event, we may see that return. Um, you know, Conor McGregor, the favorite here, uh, rightfully so. Uh, and minus 300 is about the, the meaty, mean line that I see around with Poirier coming back plus 255. Uh, I like Connor here. I do. And it seems like he's more like serious, like dialed in. It doesn't seem like so much of a circus as we typically see, uh, Jeff. Yeah, man. I, you know, uh, how can you not be excited about the return of the notorious Conor McGregor? I mean, yeah. it's, uh, he is the whole fucking show. Uh, when he comes, this is what happens. Prices go up. Uh, threats get made. I ain't going to lie. I mean, Uncle Dane's got me a little worried about, you know, uh, my fire stick. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, hopefully he ain't come out, come, you know, after the small folks, man. But uh, the only thing that, that, you know, I may disagree on is the odds. Not that I don't think that this is, is – you know, it's going to be a McGregor win, but I mean, this is not the same Dustin Poirier they, that that fought him the first time. Um, while Connor's doing other things and taking time away from the sport and boxing and taking long layoffs in between fights, Dustin has been grinding it, man, grinding it. And uh, I just think it's going to be closer than what that spread um, would would indicate it's going to be. But I mean, McCon- Connor's big, man. He's big. He, He's a big guy. He, he he looks in great shape. Uh, has put on more muscle, like you said, and he, he seems really dialed in. Um, I, I don't know, man. It's it's one of those that's going to give you goosebumps. It's going to make you anxious. I'll probably be pacing when I'm watching it um, because, I, you know, anything can happen. But, I mean, damn, McGregor surprised the hell out of us. His last comeback, the way he just bitched Donald Cerrone. Uh, and, and nobody does that really in that fashion, but, um, I don't know. Dustin's Poirier is dangerous, man. He's, he's dangerous. Um, so I, I don't know, man, it's a, it's a toss up to me, but I, I mean, my heart, my money is going to go on Conor McGregor. Um, but I just think it's going to be closer than, than what, uh, the odds makers will make you think it is. Well, giving uh, Dustin Poirier credit for making it close, you can get over one and a half rounds at minus 125. So I feel like uh, if, if Poirier is going to be competitive in this fight, that's pretty decent value without having to straight say he's going to win the fight. Uh, Justin, your take. Yeah, I like that bet, too. I was looking at that earlier. <clears throat> um, you know, Dustin wasn't a punk when they fought last time. He's only lost twice since then, once to uh, Khabib, and he, then he lost to Michael Johnson uh, four or five fights after he lost to Connor, but you know, I, th- that's kind of the fight that sold me on Connor originally. I was like, you know, if he gets Dustin was a legit opponent at that time. Um, it was there wasn't much in that fight. Uh, Connor was able to get Dustin moving exactly where he wanted him to, and and caught him on the temple and and put him away really fast. I don't think that's going to happen this time. Um, you know, Dustin's a lot more durable. Uh, than he showed in that fight, I believe. 
so I think that he can take a beating for a little while, you know, even if even if it's not competitive, I think it will be competitive, but even if it's not competitive, I feel like Dustin will be able to, to hang around for a couple rounds at least. Um, but you never know. I mean, you know, that's the thing about Connor. There's, you're not just fighting Connor. You're fighting the, the persona and, and everything that comes along with, you know, a Connor McGregor pay-per-view, uh, there's a lot more pressure involved than, than just the fight itself. But I feel like Dustin is at a point in his life and point in his career where, um, that's not going to affect him like it would have obviously back in the day. Uh, I think he's the right man for the job um, to show where Connor's at because I think Dustin's going to give him a fight. Um, but I agree with with Hobbs. I think the line's pretty wide, um, but it's hard to throw any chalk on Dustin just because I don't think he's going to get it done. But um, it's it's a pretty wide line though. If you think that McGregor is going to uh, – if it's going to go the whole distance and McGregor gets a decision win, it is five rounds. But you get that at plus 630. Yeah, that's, I don't that think that'll pretty, happen either. Yeah, that, that seems pretty juicy. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's – I might play that because you could definitely end up seeing a another uh, fight that's similar to the Nate Diaz, the second Nate Diaz fight. Um, you know, it's just back and forth the whole time. I'm telling you, Dustin's a lot more durable – you know, think about the Dan Hooker fight that he just had. Dan Hooker's one of the best in the world. We'll talk about him in a second. And he stood in there with uh, Dustin, went back and forth for, you know, four or five rounds. And, and Dustin, I think, put him away um, at the end of that fight. But Dustin can can take some shots. I'm, I'm excited to see how this whole thing plays out. Um, but, you know, I think ultimately Connor's super underrated. As, I mean, you know, we all kind of know, you know, what he can do. But the average fan just – doesn't really understand, you know, uh, the, the, the level of talent that Connor actually possesses. Um, his skill level on the ground is far superior to what the average fan probably gives him credit for. So it's not like Dustin is going to be able to just go run through him on the ground. Um, but it's going to be a fun fight, man. I'm looking forward to it. Co-main event, another really good one. That This was a hard one to call, man. Dan Hooker, the hangman. Takes on Michael Chandler, former Bellator world champion. This is his first UFC fight. This is kind of being mentioned in the same breath as the main event as for as far as like potential return opponents for uh, Khabib. So a big fight here. Uh, Michael Chandler is um, is the underdog here, uh, to my surprise. Uh, Dan Hooker is about minus 125-ish uh, around the world with Chandler coming back at about even money uh man this is a hard one to call i'm gonna lean michael chandler here i think the question is like kind of like when justin gaethje came in he came in hot as a champion in another organization but not fighting ufc guys so how's he gonna stand up you know to a to a top guy in dan hooker uh justin i think this is probably the worst matchup that chandler could have drawn out of the gate even if he would have you know stepped in as a replacement and fought khabib who's a terrible matchup for everybody else that's favorable for, for Michael Chandler, because even if he loses to Khabib, if he puts on a decent show, it doesn't really hurt his, his future stock in the UFC. But Dan Hooker is a guy who's not only is he one of the best in the world, but he's, you know, probably the youngest guy in that mix in this division. Um, he's at a team that's, you know, producing champions left and right, um, you know, and, and they're hungry for more, you know, he wants to be on that platform, um, with Volkanovski and Asanya and, um, 
Dan Hooker's a monster, dude. Like the 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 difference in range in this fight, I think, is going to be a big factor. Dan Hooker is a master at, at the range, and um, Michael Chandler is obviously going to be trying to get inside and get close. He's going to be throwing big overhand shots, but as he comes in, I'm looking for Hooker throwing knees up the middle. Um, you know, and and Hooker can take a lot of damage, man. You know, it's not like Chandler's Chandler's not going to land one shot and put Hooker away. I don't think uh, it's going to he's going to have to do it. I don't think he's going to finish Hooker. Uh, I think the only way that, that Chandler wins is if he is able to get him down uh, and and able to to ride out a decision. Uh, but I think Hooker's takedown defense is going to be too strong, and I'm looking for the counter strikes off of the takedown attempts from Chandler uh, to to end up putting his lights out. Jeff Hobbs, you uh, you you going with the the newly new Nashvilleian and Michael Chandler? That's right, uh, guys. I mean, you got to remember now. Uh, it ain't where you're from; it's where you pay rent. That's right. And, uh, and Michael Chandler <laughs> pays rent. Well, he ain't paying rent; he's probably paying a mortgage uh, yeah. in Nashville, Tennessee. Man. So, yeah. So I mean, this is this is our guy now, man. He's he's a local guy who's who's jumped right into the state, to my community, um, opened up a gym. Uh, has joined forces with National MMA and combined gyms to make one nice big super gym and, uh, you know, gives back to the community. I'm going to tell you right now, I had a local, my local high school out here uh, where I teach and coach and live, uh, had an unfortunate situation with being taken by uh, a business. Um, they'd spent uh, quite a few thousand dollars on brand new wrestling mats uh, and the company uh, never shipped, never delivered, and refuses to refund. Uh, Sounds like DJ Mackey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Michael Chandler and the other co-owners of, of Nashville MMA um, uh, donated cash, bought two PlayStation 5s, and donated both, uh, raffled them both off took the winnings. They showed up at the high school out here and when, when the, you know, they helped get, uh, you know, Dolliver Matt's got involved and, and, and helped make everything right. And Nashville. So he's invested, man. So I am rooting for Michael Chandler, but, um, I liken this more to Eddie Alvarez's introduction to the UFC. You know, uh, Gagey yeah. at least came in with a Michael Johnson fight and, and looked great in it. And, uh, uh, you know, showed the world what he was made of. So, you know, I liken this more to Eddie Alvarez's entrance where he came in from Bellator, came in from another organization. Uh, and it took him that first fight, you know, to kind of get used to the UFC way, the UFC caliber fighters. Uh, and, he, you know, he dropped that first fight to Donald Cerrone. Yeah. And uh, th- that's kind of what I liken this to. Um, but I think Hooker is a lot more dangerous now than Cerrone was when yes. Cerrone met Alvarez. Yeah. This is a much younger, hungrier, more dangerous fighter. So uh, the odds are de- I definitely what Justin said is 100 percent right. You know, they quote unquote were doing the right thing with Michael Chandler and he wasn't just getting thrown into the wolves and he wasn't just going to be a shorthand, you know, fighter that comes in. They were, But he would have been better off getting thrown in. Uh, as a last-minute replacement or a last-minute surprise opponent uh, in, in that Khabib fight or something else that's come along that I'm sure that he was, you know, maybe being considered for than this than this fight. Dan Hooker is dangerous, and this is a this is a dangerous fight for Michael Chandler to make his UFC debut with. Uh, so uh, I'm rooting for the guy, man. That's you know that's my dude now because he's a local. Um, 
But this this is this is a tough hill to climb for him. I think the and only a, fight that's more dangerous than this that Michael Chandler could have possibly gotten would have been uh, Oliveira. You know, they talked about Chandler fighting Ferguson, and Ferguson ended up fighting Oliveira. But Oliveira and Hooker would, would be the two most dangerous, the worst opponents for Chandler to draw in the top seven. And, you know, anybody in the top four matches up way better with him than Hooker or Oliveira do. And it's a big fight for Hooker, too. You know, yeah. I mean, he, he's coming off a loss to Poirier. And, and, right, and going into that fight, we were talking about how big the stakes were, you know, for him. So a loss here gets him kind of like back in, in the mix, in the shuffle. I mean, lost in the shuffle, you know. So uh, it, it's a big fight. I imagine he's going to be coming in motivated. Feature bout on this one is a female bout. And we've got... Uh, the return of uh, JoJo, Joanne Calderwood, taking on Jessica Evil Eyes, flyweight bout. And, uh, you know, both of these ladies looking to kind of rebound here. Uh, Joanne Calderwood, last time out, was a, a pretty big favorite, if I recall, over Jessica Maya. It's kind of one of those big fights for both of these ladies here. Uh, Joanne looking to get back into the talks here. Uh, this is more or less a pick em. It, it looks like Calderwood is a very, very slight favorite, around like minus 120 with eye back at like even money. But for the most part, this is a pick em. I like Joanne Calderwood at these odds. I think her volume will be more uh, than eyes, and uh, we get a decision win. Uh, Jeff Hobbs. Yeah, I definitely agree with it being a pick em because, uh, like you said, they're they're – it's a pick them because they're both in the same boat. They have a very much a uh, up and down, you know, ebbs and flows type of career. Um, will look great one fight, lose the next. Look good yeah. next fight. You know, it, it seems like the, it's always a comeback story with, with both these uh, or a bounce back story. Um, but both these girls are, man, they, they are staples in, in the uh, women's division, man. They've, they've been around a long time. Uh, you know, Jessica, I just – you know, cutting her teeth in the Midwest and the, uh, uh, with Nicole and them up in Ohio, you know, where she started with strong style, uh, you know, for a long time, just cutting her teeth in the industry, you know, trying to get to the UFC. But, um, um, like you said, very much up and down it has touched, uh, touched a lot of weight classes. Um, you know, for me, Jessica, I, it always seems like the, the difference between the two is, uh, Calderwood, doesn't have excuses. She just wins or she loses. And with Jessica, yeah. to me, it always seems like it's something. You know, it was always the mm. weight. It was always the weight class before. Well, I'm not really this weight class. Uh, just wait and see what I do if they ever get my weight class. And then they get her weight class. And then you know she does look good in her first couple of fights at, at at her more natural weight class. But then things starts falling off, and now it's it's her gallbladder. So now it's, oh, wait until you see what I do now. I've been fighting for this long uh, and all these weight cut issues, and, and it's been because of my gallbladder. And so now it's this new, oh, you're going to see the new me again. So it's like, how many new me's can there be? Yeah. Um, so, you know, for me personally, that kind of just wears on me with, with I, um, that, that it just always seems to be, uh, you know, it, or there's a reason why. Um, so I, I, I'm definitely pulling for Calderwood. I like her. She is definitely to me, one of those, uh, walk quietly and carry a big stick type people. She does not real boisterous, not real loud, um, uh, very quiet, uh, competitor and just wants to, uh, you know, prove herself in the cage. And so, uh, I'm going Calderwood on this one for sure. Justin, you got to take here. 
Uh, that sums it up pretty good, man. I think <clears throat> as far as the fight goes, I think Calderwood's advantages are probably going to be. I think she probably has the advantage everywhere, but she's her probably her best route to victory is on the ground if she can get on top of Jessica I uh, and impose her will there. I think she can get the finish, but um, I agree with everything Jeff said. A, a lot of this fight is going to come down to the the mental aspect of it. I think. Also on this pay-per-view main card, this is, this is a decent pay-per-view offering. The main two fights, I mean, the top two fights more or less make it so. But, uh, you know, going on down the main card here on the pay-per-view, we've got Otman Azatar undefeated, 13-0, taking on Matt the Steamroller Frivola. That'll be a good action fight. I kind of lean Azatar, but Frivola pushes that real heinous pace, you know. And Marina Rodriguez takes on Amanda Hivas. That's a fight that is an, another really good one. Hebus is who they're pushing. You know, she's a looker. She can talk. She's got charisma. She's who they want uh, to get this win, you know. And Hebus is the uh, prohibitive favorite here around minus three, between minus 300 and minus 330. Uh, Rodriguez coming back at plus 250. It's a wide line, but I, I really do like Hebus here. Uh, Azatar, uh, for the record, in the aforementioned fight, minus 155 with Frivola plus 135. So kind of lean Azatar there. Um, Justin, anything on the rest of this pay-per-view uh, card? I actually like Frivola. Azatar is, you know, riding some hype because the dude's got an insane amount of power. Um, but Frivola is, I think, he's just going to be durable enough to withstand yeah, that in the, in the beginning. And then, you know, the the takedowns, the relentless takedowns, it will play a factor uh, in the long run of the fight. I think he'll end up wearing Azatar down. Um and Hibos, uh, you know, obviously she's she's going to try to get it to the ground. If Marina Rodriguez can keep the fight standing um, and avoid getting to the mat with Hibos, it, it could be an interesting fight. Uh, but I think Hibos will probably uh, get her there. And, and once she does, I think it'll be over pretty quick. Prelims, uh, Armand Sakurian takes on uh, the German Nazrat Hockprost at 155. Uh, Brad Devares uh, versus ACJ, Antonio Carlos Jr. Uh, that is a middleweight fight with uh, ACJ being the underdog here. Brad Devares minus 135. I kind of like uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. at plus 115. Uh, Juliana Pena, Sarah McMahon in uh, Battle of Bantamweights. You know, last time out, uh, uh, Pena... Uh, yeah, lost lost last time out in a big fight, so she's uh, looking to rebound here. That's pretty much really close to a pick. Uh, actually, McMahon is the favorite, minus 130, with Pena back at plus 110. You don't really know what kind of mental mindset you're going to get out of Pena. She's talking about babies and stuff, So, but, but I mean, I think if she comes in the right mindset and prepared, uh, she's another decent underdog play at plus 110. Um, let's see, we got Khalil Roundtree taking on Marcin Prakniao at light heavyweight. Uh, Roundtree is a heavy favorite, minus 325, as he probably should be. He'll probably knock out. Pracknell gets knocked out, it seems like, real quick every time. Uh, we've uh, got Andrew Dirty Sanchez taking on Mahmoud Muradov at 185. Nick Lentz, the Carney takes on Mobzar. Evla Webb, that's who... Nate the Tra- was that Train was supposed to fight, it feels like, and their fight got canceled. It's a shock that they didn't rebook that same fight. And then uh, opening up the card, Flyweights Amir Albazi versus Zalgus Zumagulov. Uh, Justin, anything on these prelims? Yeah, that is who Nate was supposed to fight, and I think Nate got COVID or something. Um, no, I think the other guy. I think the other, the other guy, guy got COVID? Yeah, yeah it was mm-hmm. Mossbar that got COVID. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why they went with Lentz uh, instead of Nate, but. Um, it's surely not going to be as fun a fight. No, 
No. Um, it's funny, you know, Ivalov is one of those guys that, hell, I might, they may have even met in Russia, but if not, you know, he, him and Nate could have fought over there. Um, but uh, let's see, Juliana Pena, I think this, the thing about Juliana Pena in this fight is that where she usually does well is, is in the grappling. Um, and Sarah McMahon is, you know, an Olympic wrestler. I think she's going to have a hard time getting on top of Sarah McMahon. And she's not the greatest uh, grappler off of her back. She's she's good on top. Uh, but I think Sarah McMahon can probably control that. Um, but Juliana Pena can stand up, too. Uh, so there could be, you know, that, that could be the difference maker. I actually like, uh, as an underdog, I'm, I'm going to throw a little bit on Hask Peratt. I uh, think that his he, he kind of has the great neutralizer in there. Um, if if he if he you know so does so does Sirakian, but uh, I think Sirakian's coming on. He has such a hype train behind him that um, Hasperat you know doesn't have a lot of pressure going into this one, and um, so I'm gonna throw a little chalk on him. Um, then I like the Cleo Roundtree and Pragnow fight. Cleo Roundtree needs a good a good win. He's been in Thailand for a long time. You know, really just honing in his, his stand-up, and um, I would like to see him get a nice highlight finish here. You know, Roundtree's uh, odds are up there expensive at, like, minus 325 uh, here, but you can get him by, well, damn, even uh, even just taking him inside the distance, he's still minus 195. That's a, that's a better, probably still a better prize because uh, I would imagine he gets him out of there. Uh, Jeff, anything on any of these prelims uh, for you? Uh, not really. I mean, what stands out to me is just kind of that sneaky uh, Pena versus McMahon fight, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of it's fallen right in lost in here when, you know, this is a fight just a couple of years ago. Uh, you would have seen probably opening up the main card uh, or, or the pay-per-view side of a card just, uh, you know, maybe a few years ago. So that, that's a you know surprisingly uh, kind of old school veteran uh, against veteran fight uh, just kind of fallen right here in the midst of all these uh uh, kind of newcomers and up and comers and, and, and young cats here. So I'll be interested in to watch that fight. Uh, but I'm like you, I just don't know. Uh, you know, McMahon's been around for so long. Uh, and Pena, with Pena, you don't know which Giuliani is, you know, showing up. I will say, uh, uh, in, uh, playing stat boy a little bit here, uh, for the record, Nate Landwehr is fighting Julian Erosa on that Blades and Lewis card on oh. February 20th. That's so, a fun fight. Erosa is like really tall and long and will probably, I would guess, engage in a in a striking affair. Yeah, but if he's he one of the, around, he can he's got some tricky stuff. Like he's really long. Yeah, he's one of those guys. This is now his uh his third uh you know go around with the UFC. I mean, he's like come and gone three times. You know, this is his third trip. Uh, signing back with UFC. So, you know, he's a guy they go to, uh, you know, when they need somebody and need somebody to come in and, and make for a good fight. So, uh, yeah, the Blades uh, Lewis card is when we'll see uh, Landwehr back. And maybe they just thought that this is, uh, like you were saying, you know, why didn't they rebook him, uh, you know, in the in the fight that dropped? And, and maybe they just uh, foresee that this being a more entertaining fight and fan-friendly. Yeah, I think that as far as, like, matchups go, like, I, you know, I was going to take a shot at Nate the train, but he was a pretty big underdog, uh, you know, to Evla Webb. So I, I would, I don't see odds on this yet, but I would project, uh, that Nate the train will be a slight favorite here. Uh, you know, probably not as high as 200, but I, I'd clock him about minus 160, 170. 
So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that shakes out. That's our preview for UFC 257. It goes down this weekend on pay-per-view. Next week, we will recap all this action and see if we were right or wrong on this shit. Uh, lately, it seems like I've been falling on the wrong side, so I would take everything I say with a grain of salt because I'm playing scared at this point. Uh, thanks so much to our guest for joining us earlier, Hawaii Perez. Uh, thanks to Justin. Thanks to Jeff. And thank you for uh, taking the time to listen to this podcast. Make sure you subscribe uh, wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast and also like our social media. And uh, we post this uh, bad boy on there every Thursday. Uh, once again, uh, this has been Tim Loy signing out for another edition of the Valor Hour. This is a Landry football quick fix on Radio Influence. This team with really good quarterback play, dynamic playmakers at receiver, great running back, one of the best offensive lines you're going to ever see, a defense that's got some experience that came back from last year, a lot of things going for it, and the best coach in college football history. I've said this several times. What Nick Saban has done is – Nothing short of amazing. And I don't know anybody that, you know, obviously with my background with Saban, haven't worked with him. I knew early on this guy was special as a head coach. I didn't think special meant was going to be the greatest college football of all time. You you don't ever think that or see that or uh, you just you just don't. But there's no question about it that what he has done to the degree that he has had success, how he's evolved and changed to adjust. You know, I say this all the time that when you're talking about coaches, great coaches, there are a lot of aspects to it. It starts with leadership. It starts with the ability to build that culture and build that that focus and that determination. That's the key. There are a lot of guys that have good ability from an X's and O standpoint. There's some guys that can lead. There's some guys that can recruit. To be able to do it all well is it's what makes them, well, unbeatable. In terms of, they don't win every game. They don't win the title every year. But they average, over the last 12 years, winning a national title every other year. Uh, It's phenomenal. The Landry Football Podcast with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.